It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with your host, Mark Schlereth. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Bet Rivers Sportsbook and Dude Wipes. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside uh, Mike Evans, Millennial Bim, producing the show. Want to thank our presenting sponsors, great folks over at Bet Rivers. Um, bet with a winner, bet with Bet Rivers. Check them out, betrivers.com. Uh, they do a tremendous job. Then all my folks over at Dude Wipes, guys. Dudeproducts.com. Uh, promo code STINK15 to get 15% off all your Dude Products. Uh, they do. Uh, oh, I, I just absolutely love them. And then, you know, you couple that with Stinking Good Green Chili at stinkinggood.com. You want my green chili. Uh, I've got chicken. I've got pork. I've got the uh, queso, vegetarian, stinkinggood.com. You know, you use that, you eat the product, you love it, you smother everything in it, and then boom, you use the dude wipes to clean up after you use the facilities. So uh, while you're on your phone placing a bet on Bet Rivers, <laughs> you know what? We tie it all Talk together. About multitasking. We tie it all together, Mike Evans. That's how it works. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Although I, I found myself thinking of you while I was watching the Monday night game mm-hmm. and thinking, oh my God, this Patriots game plan is like porn for offensive linemen. Um, that had to be like porn. That was the best. That was the best game plan in the history of game plans. <laughs> I mean, they threw one. I was like, ah, there's only one problem with that game plan in the first half. They threw a pass. Other than that, it was almost perfect. And you know, yeah, yeah. Again, that's the New England Patriots. That's what what sets them apart when it comes to. How are we going to win a game? I was talking to Sean Payton a couple weeks ago. And we we got in. You know, he still talks to Bill Parcells as his kind of quote-unquote mentor. And and so he talks to him every week. And he was like, you know, Stink, because Bill used to say it to me every week. There's a way to win every one of these games. Every one of them. We just got to figure out how. And, and you know when you think about it that way, it's it it really kind of is enlightening. There's a way to win everyone. How? And I think probably what sets the New England Patriots apart in regards to winning games and game planning is there isn't a necessarily a this is you know this is what we have to do game plan wise or this is what we are. Like, I think there is, I think the thing that blows me away about them is their philosophical approach to football is really um, more games are lost than won. So let's not lose them. That's kind of our first staple. Let's not lose them. How do we not lose them? Well, we make less mistakes than the other team. We attention to detail. We, we, we go after smart players. Not necessarily just the best athletes, but smart players who understand um, versatility, understand their role, know how to execute. And then we put our players in a position um, to go out there and execute and, and you know use their intelligence as football players. And then ultimately, we're not afraid to play a very patient game. We're not afraid to play the field position game. We're not afraid to win on special teams. We're not afraid to do all those things that require focus, 
that require attention and that require most of all patience. And eventually you're going to lose, even if you're playing a solid game across from us, you're going to lose some of that patience. You're not going to be able to adhere to that kind of same pace that we are and you're going to make a mistake and we're going to capitalize on it and we're going to beat you. And, and that just seems to be the New England Patriots to me. Are they legit? Are they a legitimate Super Bowl contender now? They're, they're nine and four. They're tops in the AFC right now. I mean, conventional wisdom is they got a rookie quarterback. They can't, they can't be a, a legitimate Super Bowl threat. But based yeah. on what you saw Monday night? Sure. I guess sure. why not, huh? Yeah, of course they are. I mean, you know, you it's been impressed upon me that you don't win because of a rookie quarterback. You win with a rookie quarterback. And you've got to be good everywhere else, and you've got to groom that kid, and that kid's got to make plays, obviously. And, and Mac Jones has been able to do that, and he's got um, – you know, he's he's just got a great knowledge of the game and a great presence about him – and and he can get them out of bad plays. I mean, he really he understands. He knows the game. So, you know, those things are those those things are impressive. What he's been able to do has been incredibly impressive. Good on him. That's awesome. Appreciate that about him. Um, but but they are you know they are not afraid. They understand how to run the ball. They know what they want to do. They know what their scheme is. They know what they're going to rely on. They know how they're going to run the ball. That's part of it. They're going to play stellar defense, unlike last year where, you know, they still ran the ball, but they couldn't get enough plays out of their quarterback position. They didn't play very good defense last year. They're playing stellar defense. They're running the ball. They're controlling line of scrimmage. Um, and when you do those things, man, you can create opportunities in the passing game. And they've got the quarterback that has the mental capacity, the football acumen to take advantage of those, those opportunities in the passing game. And they're going to design those opportunities based upon the physicality with which they play and, and based upon, you know, what they do. I mean, you think about you think about the Patriots. Come on now. Like, do they have a big-time wide receiver? They got a big-time matchup guy? No, they have, to, they have to rely on being able to run the ball and creating explosive passing plays through their running game. And it's it does to me it does, it's not the opposite. It doesn't have like we're going to run the ball because we're so explosive in the passing game. We're going to be explosive in the passing game when we really run the ball well and set that up. And so you know, two different kind of philosophical trains of thought based upon the player. Again, it comes down to Mike, the players that we have. Who are the players that we have, and how do we best use them? To our advantage. So, Mac Jones, who we affectionately have labeled Squishy Mac after the picture that made the rounds after Alabama won the championship. Yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory. It is pretty self-explanatory. But do we think more of Squishy Mac or less now of Squishy Mac now that we found out during the Monday Night Broadcast that as a kid he went to modeling camp? Probably made him tough. (laughs) You know, when you think about it, you're squishy. Yep. And you went to modeling camp. Like, you know, now he's younger than us, but had we done that when we we're growing up, Ooh. you you're gonna have to be the toughest kid on the playground. Yep. Otherwise, you're gonna get your come up in <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. So um, you know, we live in a gentler, kinder yes. time yes. where yes. 
where you're not a you're not allowed to make fun of people and you, you know. can go to seven on seven passing camp and then go to modeling camp. Yeah, it's accepted. Yeah, you're like, hey, I'm gonna have to take the day last day of seven on seven passing camp. I've got a modeling shoots. Right, modeling. I just have this vision of him going to Zoolander camp. <laughs> He's way too like based on the Zoolander stuff that I know and that I've seen. He must be way too smart. He probably I don't know if it wasn't that he wasn't good looking enough. He's um, just too smart. He's just too smart yeah. for modeling camp. I think so. The Patriots. Sneaking up on a lot of people. Boy, America's uh, so happy to know that uh, they only had to go through one year of being down before they Can you imagine? You know, climb back to prominence. But Arizona, you just did Arizona. And I'm curious what your takeaway is of an Arizona team that seems to check all the boxes, but yet, you know, just continues to fly under the radar. Is it just because they're Arizona? Probably has a lot to do with the fact that they're Arizona. I think the other thing that it has to do with is you think of them as air raid. And I think that a lot of people look at that air raid, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, Texas Tech, and think, well, that'll never, you know, that's never going to fly. And then you put them on film and you realize those principles, you know, the, the passing principles are there, but they're a far more balanced football team than that. And it was interesting, you know, sitting down and talking to Cliff Kingsbury. I said, what, what is it that you have learned? Like, how has your game changed? I go, because what I watched from 2019 when you first came in to what I'm watching now, it, it's two different, there are two different offenses here. You know, and I, if memory serves me correctly, so explain it to me. And he said, ultimately... In the college game, his best players were receivers. So he was always in 10 personnel. And he got to the NFL. 10 personnel being? Four wide receivers and a running back. Right. Okay. So you got a quarterback, and then your five eligibles, 10 personnel is four wide receivers, one running back. So those were always my best players. So that's always what we're in. And he goes, and the thing that I have learned is really – the value of tight ends, and the value of creating mismatches in the middle of the field. When you don't have the hash marks, the wide hash marks, meaning you don't have a wide side of the field, when you have a wide side of the field and you have a bunch of water bugs out there, all that space creates opportunity to catch the ball in space and to make people miss. So, like, you don't have that. So sometimes in the NFL, because those hash marks are tighter, you got to have a dude that's a dude, right? You got to have a dude that can run the seam or a dude that can box people out, dude that's big and physical and, and can control the middle of the football field. And so he was like the, the ability to create mismatches in the passing games through different personnel groupings is really what I had to learn. Had to learn how to play out of 10 person, uh, out of not just 10 personnel, but how to learn how to play out of 12 personnel, two tight ends and one back, two wide receivers. Out of 13 personnel, three tight ends, you know, one back and and one wide receiver. Out of um, 22 personnel. Like, I, I had to learn these things and how to create those middle-of-the-field mismatches. You know, how to use a guy like Moore, who they drafted, and bring him in 
as a slot receiver, but bring him in to play the second running back at the same time and then get him on some inside matchups versus, you know, option routes versus linebackers. Like, you have to learn how to exploit those personnel groupings in those matchups. And so you look at them, and they're not, you know, as much as they want to throw the ball, they're far more balanced, and they're a much better team because they've learned how to run the football out of out of different personnel groupings, um, and and the way they have they have become far more traditional, far more NFL offense, far less college offense. So I, then Kyler Murray, you always talk about how you need your NFL quarterback to be a seventy thirty guy, mm-hmm. meaning seventy percent of the time I just need you to be running things efficiently. Right. Mm-hmm. Just carving people up, understanding matchups, defenses, all that. Thirty percent of the time, I'm gonna need you to, you know, make something out of nothing. But right. that seventy thirty rule, Murray has this, I think, perception out there as being just a make it up as he goes along type guy. But that would be that'd be incorrect. That'd be incorrect. Yeah, because Murray is just one. He's really smart. He really understands. He really understands what they're trying to accomplish and how they're trying to exploit defenses. And so he really knows, you know, what they're in, what they're trying to take away, where the weakness of the defense is, and how to go after that weakness. And he does it a lot more than you think from the pocket. The thing that makes him so dangerous is that when things do break down or they do have a play and they've made a play defensively, then he extends plays. And he's really not extending plays to run it. He's extending plays to throw it. The only real designed runs by Kyler Murray in this offense are in the red zone. That's where he takes off and runs or where they have the designed run aspect. Um, You know, I was looking at it. He only had, I think going into last week, he had like 160 yards. Now, he missed a couple games. Missed three games. Nine games, he's a, a little over 200 yards rushing. Yeah, like 205, 206 yeah, yards. Average about six attempts per game. Yeah. But when you when you look at it, like the the only design right now, he may have a scramble in the field every now and again, right? When things really break down, he wants to throw it, but may have a scramble in the in the field every now and again. But for the most part, the only design runs are down in the red zone. And he's really careful about not taking hits, you know. So he's he's a, a phenomenal player. And then you couple that, like they're as talented you know, of all the teams that I have done this year, and I've done a bunch, I've done the Rams, I've done, you know, I've done, um, shoot, I've done the Giants, I've done the Rams. Who else have I done that's talented? Um, Giants, you can take them out of the, the Philly, old, Philly, um, San Francisco, San Francisco, Seattle. Uh, you know, I've, I mean, I've had a Rams. lot of, yeah, I've had a lot of teams. They're as talented a team on both sides of the ball. Part of that, you know, is having a rookie quarterback and being able to to make those deals, but. I'll tell you defensively, Mike, they're they're phenomenal. Yeah. They really are. And I think what really sets them apart, and I think it's I think it's a, a position that probably doesn't get enough love. It's your ability, who's your nickel corner? Who is that guy? Because when you have a nickel corner that can really play. You you got an opportunity to shut people down, and they have a Why? kid. Well, Why is it so important? Because you're in it sixty five percent of the time, and a lot of people get in it to exploit the run game. 
And so when you have a guy that understands run fits and not afraid to, to play like a safety out there in the nickel that can play zone but can also be a man coverage guy, and when you've got versatility back there in the back end that way, um, I just think it becomes one of – I think it's become one of the most important positions in football that doesn't get talked about because hmm. those guys don't get paid. The outside corners get get paid. Right. But the inside corners that play nickel, to me, are more important and because they're more involved, right? They, I mean, they got to be involved in everything. And Byron Murphy's as good as any nickel corner I've watched play. And, you know, the the crazy thing is is they've got Buda Baker – and they've got Jalen Thompson. That's their their two safeties in their nickel corner. They're all interchangeable. So talking to Vance Joseph, their defense coordinator, he's like, here's the thing that makes us tough is that we've got three dudes that can flat out all man cover. They can all play zone. They're all super smart. They're all fearless. Even though they're small, fearless when it comes to hitting people and tackling. And so – you know how you get into like slot formations where you get two tight ends on one side. We call it West slot in the West Coast offense. So you got two tight ends on, let's call it on the right side, and then you've got two receivers on the left side. Or let's get into a three wide set, right? So let's let's call it you're in one like eleven personnel with a slot receiver, and now all of a sudden I take that slot receiver where. Like Byron Murphy is located man-to-man on that guy, right? He's pressed. It looks like man-to-man. We motion him across the formation, and Murphy doesn't go with him. So now all of a sudden, you as a defense, or an offensive, like as a quarterback, you're going, okay, we got zone. He didn't go with him. Our slot didn't go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they all of a sudden he rotates out. Jalen uh, um, uh, Thompson ro- rolls down, and um, – and now all of a sudden he's pre- and but you're still saying you're, to you you're saying it's zone now because now the safe the free safety rolled down right after we move that formation across and we have slot on the other side or two receivers on the other side call it doubles right so we go from a trips look one tight end slot receiver z receiver now that f motions across and lines up over next to the x on the other side and you don't follow him you just rotate it. And so you're going, okay, we got zone. Now all of a sudden Jalen Thompson plays man right. and locks you down. Right. Right? And you're like, oh, shoot. And so they've got the ability, the versatility to do that on the back end between Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, and Byron Murphy. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what, they're, they're, they're special that way. They're really good that way. Bouncing around a little bit, Pittsburgh, you want to bury them. We we talked about them last week about how right Mike Tomlin emptied his bucket, man. Yeah, he, he did. He played every last trick. Yes, to be able to you know really circle the wagons and understand this is maybe our last stand, and they responded. And now here the Steelers are all of a sudden six five and one. Ben Roethlisberger, you know, saying this is his his last dance in in, in Pittsburgh. I, I still kind I still think that. They're kind of living a lie, but man, they're they're tough to kill. Yes, they are. They are tough to kill. Yeah, they are. They are. And you know, we were talking about them being kind of torn between two offenses right. and, and joking around, but you know, Najee Harris still got Najee Harris still got uh twenty one carries. Um 
That was a tight game. Ben Roethlisberger threw it 31 times. I, I just, they are, they're just hard to kill, man. Yep. They really are. They, they're, they're, they're big time. And, you know, I, I don't know what you thought about the, the uh, two point conversion to win it. Um, so John Harbaugh said after the game that we were thin at cornerback. I didn't want to get into an extended overtime. I thought we were, okay, maybe, maybe that was his rationale. I also think he looked at it like, I'm two yards away. I'm on the road. Let's sure. go for it. We had a good play called. Mark Andrews makes that catch 99 out of 100, 100 times. Mm-hmm. I, I wish more coaches would go for it in that situation. Why Why bring, it, into all, yeah. why bring in all the variables that go into overtime? Starting with the fact that you could lose the toss and they go down and score a touchdown, you never see the ball again. You're two yards away. You've got all these plays that you have designed mm. for for two point conversions. You'll you, you'll never be this close again to winning the game on one play. Go for it. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, you know, I probably I yeah I don't know all the variables because I'm not there, but my my gut is kick the extra point and, and play for overtime. Um, Why? That's just because I, I I tend to be a little bit conservative, um, and you know I want a chance to win that game. Two point conversions are hard. It's just a it's a it's an interesting area of the field. Um, you start what the thir- three yard line, right? So it just is. It's just a little bit outside, feeling comfortable just handing it off, right? Because right? everybody's down there, and because the, you know. You're running against an 11 man box. But if you got a dual threat quarterback, and I get it if you got a yeah. statue back there, maybe yeah. you look at it differently. But when you got a dual threat quarterback like Lamar Jackson, I'd be like, yeah, this is it. Three yards, let's go. I've been in a game, I've been in a game in Atlanta where um, Jason Elam hurt something warming up in pregame. Kickers. I know, right? Mm, freaking kickers. What do you pull? Uh, <laughs> Who knows? I mean, you know, they pull some. Oh, right. So we had to go for it. We had to go for hey, it. Elon, folks, is a kicker. He actually respects. I love it. I love Jason. I, I, I kid because I care. Um, I'm sure it was incredibly painful. Um, anywho, anywho, uh, uh, we had to go for it. We had to go for it every. Like we had to go for two every time. Yeah. I wonder what I. I, I don't remember. I don't. I mean, it was Atlanta, and we were good. They weren't. You know, we sure there was not them. a whole lot of trickery involved. No, let's just line up and smash mouth them. <laughs> but anyhow, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of like. I, I guess just because you're in first place, but they haven't. You know, they just have not. They've had injury after injury. The running back position. They have not been in sync. They have really been trying to grow their quarterback to being more of a, you know, a, a throwing threat. It hasn't necessarily worked. They won a game where he threw four picks. I mean, when does that ever happen? I guess maybe you look at it like, hey, we already got we got one from the, you know, the football god, so to speak, on that one. So, you know, whatever. I I don't know. I, I just there's there's part of me that just is like, oh, play for overtime and let's see if we can't get a win out of out of Pittsburgh here. So Detroit gets their first win, and I, I think if you, unless you're a Viking fan, you, you probably find yourself rooting for Detroit at the end to get over the hump and win a game. The reaction afterwards, you you think that they won a Super Bowl. It, do you? You didn't play on very many bad teams. Is there part of you that watches that kind of over the top enthusiasm when you're now one at ten and one, mm-hmm. and kind of be like, 
why are you guys acting like this? Right. Shouldn't you just kind of be like, hey, all right, we're glad we won, but we're one ten and one. But there was like over the top right. jubilation. Do you understand why? I, there's only one thing that makes sense to me on that because I've I've been on some bad teams that won a game and it was more like, ugh, you know. That, well, I'm glad we won, but in the overall scheme of things, we suck. Right. Right. And so there wasn't a whole lot of. But you never find yourself o for the season going into you know the twelfth right, game of the season. Right. Correct. But I will I will tell you, Mike, that the only thing I can come up with is. The unmitigated joy and excitement they had for Dan Campbell. <laughs> and Jared Goff ran straight to him. And that ran right to him. And that just goes to show me like how much they really care about him and, and and the way he is with them and the the man that he is and the former player that he is. Um that part to me was the coolest thing. And, like, I look at that and say, man, if you get that kind of buy-in from your players and they're, and, and they're you know, 0-10 and 1 going, or, or yeah, 0-10 and 1 going into that game and come out 1-10 and 1, and you've got that kind of excitement, um, I don't know how you'll grow from an X's and O's standpoint and, and all that stuff. But you got the right man leading you right now. And we'll see how the rest of that grows. And it may end up being one of those situations where, you know, you get you end up getting fired a year or two down the road. Right. But the bottom line is what I saw, what I witnessed in that postgame is real. And that part to me was really cool. That part was that that part was awesome. Yeah, and they've played, and that's been their they've MO played all their, season. They've, they've played, played, yeah. They've I mean, think hard. about it. they've lost a bunch of games in the last seconds. They played hard. They 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 lost a game to the Baltimore Ravens on a sixty-six yard field goal for crying out yeah. loud. So it's not like they haven't been in games and they haven't played a lot of one-score games. that came back to the you know came down to the final drive. They have, and so to see them get a victory. Um, is is pretty cool. So what's more important than if you're in a position like Detroit? Do you, do you need a coach who is more of a rah-rah coach that will create an attitude and an enthusiasm to go out and play? Even though, let's face it, when it comes to actually coaching, he leaves a lot to be desired. That's some really head-scratching decisions get made, time management, all that. What, what are you looking for? The, the X's and O's? Coach mm-hmm. that's going to lead you out of the the darkness, or this kind of coach. Right, it's more attitude, yeah, enthusiasm, I, and atmosphere yeah. than it is X's and O's. Well, I think in Detroit they've had, you know, the self proclaimed X's and O's guys that it just hasn't really worked. And bottom, yeah, again, and you like you need somebody to inspire you, mm-hmm. and. He, ins- he certainly, based on the videos I'm watching, he certainly inspired those guys. So, I'm like, I, I look at that and think, man, that's really, it's just really a cool thing. So, that's kind of where I am right now with with him. By the way. Um, and no kneecaps no, in the yeah, process. No kneecaps broken in the process. Um, 
I, I do have to tell you, we're, I do have to tell you that um, I almost feel sorry for you with the ass whooping that you're taking oh, on geez. on the game bring, picks. We have to bring this up. No, we'll pick. We'll bring this back up later on in the week when we pick again. Yeah. But um, it's ugly right now. It's you, ugly. Yeah. I, I I'm on a run right now. I can't now. get out of my own way. I know. I'm on a run right now that has been. That, I would recommend people follow your lead. Yeah. On the on the run that I am right now, that could that could change it any minute. But it's been a it's been a it's good been just two and one, two and one. This past week, three and zero. Oh. I've had two three and zero oh yeah. weeks and a couple two, a bunch and of two I'm, and I'm one. I'm one and two, zero oh and three. I it it's, yeah. That's been it's been ugly. It, um, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate it. You're welcome. We'll talk more in depth on that yes, uh, later please. on let's, in the week as we pick our games. Hey, for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, we thank you so much. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, great folks over at Bet Rivers. Uh, bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers. Download the app. Check them out at BetRivers.com. Also, uh, my guys at Dude Wipes, DudeProducts.com. Use the promo code STINK15. Get 15% off of everything. Also want to make sure you check out uh, StinkingGood.com for our green chili products. You're going to absolutely love them. Smother everything in green chili. Also the queso dip. Going to love it. StinkingGood.com for more information. For Mike, I'm Mark. For Benny, producing the show, we thank you so much for listening.